This is TechCrunch. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far-off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. That Whole Foods is an Amazon warehouse. Get used to it. By Connie Loisos. Earlier this week in Brooklyn, near the waterfront, Amazon opened what looks from the outside like a typical Whole Foods store. It isn't open to the public, however. It's a new fulfillment center. Grocery delivery continues to be one of the fastest-growing businesses at Amazon, the company said in a statement about the location, noting that it's hired hundreds of new employees to aid in its operations. We're thrilled to increase access to grocery delivery. Americans sort of knew this was coming. Still, the pace at which buildings of all sizes are being either built or converted into e-commerce fulfillment centers and closer to city centers has become a bit breathtaking. According to the commercial real estate services firm CBRE, since 2017, at least 59 projects in the U.S. have centered on converting 14 million square feet of retail space into 15.5 million square feet of industrial space. And that trend is, quote, absolutely going to continue, says Matthew Wallacek, an associate director of industrial and logistics research at CBRE. It's played out fairly quietly to date, save for the occasional headline about, well, Amazon, typically. Last month, for example, the Wall Street Journal reported that the ever-expanding conglomerate is in talks with the largest mall owner in the U.S., Simon Property Group, about converting both former and current JCPenney and Sears stores into distribution hubs from which it can deliver its products more quickly. Amazon needs the space. Meanwhile, Simon needs a tenant that can pay its bills. That's a tall order right now for many brick-and-mortar retailers that were already under pressure and watched foot traffic disappear entirely as the country largely shut down in March in response to the pandemic threat. In fact, despite that Simon recently partnered with another outfit to buy retailers Brooks Brothers and Lucky Brand out of bankruptcy, Simon and fellow mall operator Brookfield are also reportedly in advanced talks to buy JCPenney. Some view the moves as a means to buy time as it reconfigures its properties to accommodate one anchor tenant. That exact scenario has already played out at Randall Park Mall in a northeast Ohio suburb, a mall incidentally that this editor occasionally frequented as a teenager growing up in Cleveland. Once filled with gaudy stores like Piercing Pagoda and Spencer's Gifts, the mall, among the world's largest enclosed shopping centers when it opened in 1976, is now the site of an 855,000-square-foot facility filled with mobile robotic fulfillment systems. A local outlet reported its conveyor belts would stretch farther than 10 miles if laid in a straight line. 
It isn't always Amazon that's snapping up these properties, of course. There are a number of other large e-commerce players that are rapidly expanding their physical footprint right now. Along with opportunistic developers, betting the U.S. will also focus more on domestic manufacturing facilities in a post-COVID world. There are also other big grocery chains that, like Amazon's Whole Foods, are increasingly focused on developing fulfillment centers, sometimes right inside a store that sees foot traffic. At an Albertsons in South San Francisco, for example, customers blithely shop around an automated rack-and-tote system at the store's center that preps orders for pickup and delivery. To a certain extent, this ongoing shift in use was inevitable. The U.S. has the strange distinction of featuring 24 square feet of retail space per capita. By comparison, Canada and Australia have 16.8 square feet and 11.2 square feet per capita, respectively. We just have a lot of retail. We're over-retailed, so it's not surprising that properties are struggling, Wallacek says. The pandemic has only poured figurative fuel on the fire. Forbes estimates that upwards of 14,000 real-world retail stores will close in the U.S. this year. Meanwhile, during the first six months of the year, consumers spent $347.26 billion online with U.S. retailers, up 30.1% from $266.84 billion for the same period in 2019, according to U.S. Department of Commerce data parsed by the news and research outfit Digital Commerce. It's still a niche trend, retail properties being converted to industrial use. While 14 million square feet has been converted in recent years, it's a drop in the bucket compared with the 14.5 billion square feet of industrial real estate in the U.S. That won't change overnight either. For one thing, retail to industrial conversions involve buy-in from local zoning officials, whose constituents are often concerned about congestion, noise, and pollution, among other things. Retail rents are also significantly higher than industrial rents, more than double in some markets, so it's a hard sell to a retail landlord to convert to industrial where revenues aren't going to be as high, notes Wallacek. Still, thanks to a confluence of events, from a battering of the broader retail industry to the runaway growth of Amazon specifically, both big and small fulfillment centers are beginning to spring up, and fast. As Amazon's first, quote, permanent online-only Whole Foods in Brooklyn underscores, they may wind up in what seem like the unlikeliest of places, too. Hey, I'm Natasha Mascarenas, a co-host of Equity, TechCrunch's venture capital-focused podcast. I'm usually on here talking to Alex and Danny, but today I want to talk directly to you, a founder. So Startup Battlefield is the same stage where companies like Cloudflare, Yammer, and Dropbox first shared their vision to the world. Deadlines for Startup Battlefield are closed for this upcoming TechCrunch Disrupt conference, but we're making an exception and holding off two spots just for you. Here's what you need to do to be in the running. Buy a digital startup alley ticket. Once you have that, you'll be able to meet investors and founders, and you'll be in running for two of those openings on the Battlefield stage. So book your digital startup alley exhibitor package today at techcrunch.com slash disrupt. I'm amped, virtually crossing my fingers for you, and hope you're excited. I'll see you there. Yay! 
Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.